Tiger's got 152 yards. Should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Tournament predictions and conversation on all the storylines across the PGA Tour. This is On the Green, WFUV's exclusive golf podcast. Welcome back into On the Green, our second episode of this new podcast. Michael Calamari here, Chris Hennessy, and Sam Davis calling in all the way from Ireland. A lot of golf to talk about. we got the players just around the corner, but first on our Palmer Invitational this next upcoming weekend, but we also had the Honda Classic last weekend, so we're in the middle of a lot of golf, but first off, guys, you know, it's really exciting to be here and have enough, another episode of On the Green. Absolutely, yeah. It was. Uh, I love the Florida swing, as we were talking about last week, and we're right in the middle of it with a epic finish to, to leg one of the Florida swing, and I always feel like it's kind of that run-up to the Masters that gets you so excited, and you start to see the big guys coming back. That's obviously going to start this week more than last week. Um, the Honda certainly got the short end of the stick with the players moving but um, from May to March. But, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for this upcoming week. Definitely one of my favorite tournaments of the year, and uh, we got a lot to get, we have a lot to get into, Sam. Yeah, you know, I'm pumped to be back. I'm excited to be in more of a full-time role here instead of just, you know, pinch We promoted you. We promoted the, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got a little promotion here. I got the whole episode uh, to tackle, which I'm super pumped about. Honda Classic was really exciting. A lot more exciting than I think most expected because it looked like Berger was kind of cruising there and then collapsed a little, well, collapsed plenty, which we're going to get into. But overall, super excited to be back for uh, episode two of many here of On the Green. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get into it. And, you know, like you mentioned, Berger with the collapse, starting with the Honda Classic, Sepp Straka, our winner, first Austrian to win on the PGA Tour. He was six under going into sun, uh, Sunday, trailed the lead, Daniel Berger, by five strokes. So Berger kind of collapses. And... I mean, he more than kind of collapses. If he shoots even par, he wins. Yes, yes but I, he, considering how he started Sunday... If you look at how he started for, through the first six holes, he was plus four. That's so, yeah. a full-blown collapse. This guy was sleeping on the biggest lead in tournament history, or tied for the biggest lead in tournament history, I think it was. And he goes out and makes four bogeys in those first six holes. It, it's, it's he had a, a couple full, big-time chips to, to birdie I mean, to keep at himself the end. alive. I mean, he was almost at the bottom of the lake there for, for a little bit. Uh, I, to me, it's a, a completely full-blown collapse because... Uh, this is a guy who, I mean, we saw it at Whistling Straits. This guy is, this guy's a killer, man. Like, him and Brooks made a heck of a team out there at Whistling Straits. We thought this was going to be just another one of these guys who's going to win a couple majors here in this kind of new era of golf. And he comes off matching 65s during the week to shoot a 74 on Sunday. And he didn't even, I mean, he did play in the monsoon eventually, but this wasn't even during the monsoon that he lost it. By the time the rain hit, he was an afterthought. Yeah, that, the, when you mentioned the monsoon, and he already ha had lost the lead before he even got there, and I think 
we'll get into Shane Lowry. That was kind of more of his reasons, you know, what happened to him. But it felt like the day kind of just happened to Berger where through six holes you're already plus four. And then he plays some better golf at the end, but it's not it's not enough. I think he takes a three-wood out on 18, puts it into the water. So just a disappointing day. And that just says you got to play four good days of golf to win these tournaments. It's really tough to win on the PGA Tour. Yeah, Berger, I think – I want to go back to, to Saturday, 18, he bogeys 18. And, and it was, it was a, it was a hole he probably easily could have at least parred. And I could see the seeds of, you know, a, a, not a collapse. Obviously you wouldn't expect him to fall off as much as he did on Sunday, but that's kind of started it. And he carried over that, that bad momentum from 18 on Saturday into Sunday. Like you guys said, right away, Mike, you know, double bogey, couple bogeys on the front nine. And then by then, you know, I think Shane Lowry was, I mean, he might not say he was shocked, but he, I'm sure he was absolutely shocked to see himself leading after, I think, six holes when, you know, it looked like Berger had a chance to just play even par, run away with the tournament. So that created some really interesting drama on Sunday with Berger, but definitely disappointing. But I guess if you're him, you can kind of, you know, hopefully just forget about Sunday. And this happens a lot in golf. You know, collapses happen all the time. It's a very tough sport. PGA National is a tough course as well. It's tough to play that course. So you kind of just have to scrap it and be like, I played three good days of golf. Let me take that into some bigger tournaments like the players and the Masters, obviously, coming up. But the thing, Sam, that I will say is that if you're a burger, this is the time you can win your your tournaments. I feel like early in the season, not a lot of players are coming out. You're not playing against the top of the tops that often. You know, if I'm him, I'm looking at this and I'm like, wow, I really had a chance to be at the top of a tournament this season. It's not going to be easy. You don't know if that's going to happen again. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that is, I mean, he does have four, he has four, yeah, four PGA tour wins. So, I mean, this guy, you know, he's been around the block for a little bit now. He is 28 years old. I think, I think it's not concerning in terms of like, Oh my gosh, is this guy ever going to get back? But I think it's, you know, it's unfortunate for him, obviously, and I think it's concerning if you were looking at him in terms of a major win this year, which I necessarily, I wasn't necessarily, um, but he's never finished higher than uh, tied for sixth in a in a major championship. Never finished higher than tied for tenth in the Masters, and you know now he has a chance to win. I think something else we have to mention is he is coming off of an injury. I think he withdrew from Pebble. He withdrew for something. I think it was Pebble. Um, so. You know, it's possible the stamina wasn't completely there. He also putted terribly. I think he he didn't make yeah he didn't make a single putt over twenty nine inches, um, long, which is insane. I mean, that's just there's no one putts, uh, through the entire day. And I mean, he said it afterwards. He said, "I don't think I made a single putt today." So it's just it's just a tough day for him, obviously. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to say. It's just. He's the only guy in the top, or one of two guys, I think, in the top ten who shot over par. Three guys, excuse me, in the top ten. Svensson and Kirk also shot over par. Everybody else was either even or under par, including Straka, who won. Shane Lowry came in second, and Kitayama, who was in third. So, tough day for him. Yeah, I think it says also a lot about PJ National that the winning score, you know, is ten under, which was, yeah, ten under, and he's the only guy that's shot in double digits um, for the tournament, so... I think that just really says a lot of how difficult this course is, par 70, and the weather down there at the end of Sunday, also a problem. But, you know, I want to talk about the winner, Sepp Straka. I mentioned first Austrian to win on the PGA Tour. He birdied three out of the last five holes, so 
He had a great end to the tournament. You can also couple Shane Lowry in this conversation. I think once you saw the the collapse by Berger at the beginning of Sunday, a lot of people penned Lowry as the guy they thought they were going to win, and it looked like it could have been down to him. But you know, Sepp Straka heading into the bear trap on PJ National, which is holes 15, 16, and 17. He shoots one under through those three holes. A lot of people say that's where the tournament's won or lost. Um, but Sam, I, I guess I'll give it to you first. Looking at Shane Lowry and Sepp Straka, you know, what do you think the difference was? And, you know, what do you think about, you know, Sepp Straka's winning this tournament? Well, Straka, I think I was really impressed with the way he was able to putt. I mean, incredibly clutch, you know, down the stretch, kind of like you said, especially through the bear trap. That was really impressive. Um, and, and, and tons of credit to him. And overall, I was very happy to see someone, you know, with their first PGA Tour victory, you know, first Austrian as well, like you mentioned. That was a really cool moment. You know, but I want to talk about Shane Lowry, of course, being here in Ireland. I got to, you know, got to. And, and it's a perfect, like, it, it's, it's almost like fate. You know, I come on, come on the show. I talked about him last week. I didn't expect him to do as well as he did, obviously. I didn't say he was going to do as well as he did. But to be right there in, in the hunt for winning uh, was just, I guess, really fun to watch for me, you know, being from Ireland or here in Ireland watching. Um, but I, I, I want to say with, with Lowry, first of all, I was really impressed with his ability to be consistent. That's something he lacked. You know, I, I mentioned it in the last episode in the Honda Classic. He fell apart after two good rounds in, in 2021, um, and he did the same thing in 2020. So back-to-back years in that tournament where he had two good rounds and then two kind of iffy rounds on the weekend to be out of contention. This time it was almost the opposite. He shot three 67s in a row uh, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Really impressive. And, you know, in the post-game, you know, uh, interview with, with Lowry, he talked about how, you know, he played, you know, some of his best golf, he said, almost ever, you know, this weekend. He was really happy with the way he played, really frustrated. He thought he had, he was robbed, basically. He thought the tournament was taken away from him. Blames the weather, of course, on 18 and the monsoons and the really bad rain in Florida that kind of hurt his tee shot. Meanwhile, Straka obviously had a tee shot just before and was able to, you know, finish up 18 with the birdie. But I really... If I'm going to be honest, I didn't like the comments uh, post game. I understand his, his, his frustration. I, I, I totally do, especially when you shoot 67 for three straight days. I really understand how, you know, he couldn't have done much better in terms of those three days and been in the conversation to win. He did everything he could, uh, you know, minus a good tee shot in 18, which, you know, maybe the, maybe the weather was a factor, maybe it wasn't. But first of all, you come from Ireland, and, and I know from personal <laughs> experience, it rains a lot. Here. Yeah, if anyone would know, it would be you. Day. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, every day when I, you know, get up in the morning and I open open the blinds here, it's raining. So it rains all the time. You've got to be used to that. And he also, I think he lives in Florida. He does. That that was my point. He's from Ireland. He won the Open Championship in a windstorm at Portrush, and he lives in Florida now. He lives in Florida. And in Florida, which I don't know if you guys have ever been to Florida, but it rains every single day and it always rains like that. It's always really hard, you know, downpour for like 15 minutes or whatever. You get caught in a quick rainstorm. So those excuses were complete BS to me. Absolute BS. I mean, I understand the frustration of, yeah, I, you know, I shot 67 for, for three days. I should have won the tournament, but to go out and say that I think is, is, is just not really the best way to go about it. Instead, he could have said, you know, you know, the, the the tour is difficult and I, I I had a really good day but I was one you know tee shot away or one good putt away from winning the tournament and that's what happens in the PGA tour it's not easy to win these tournaments it's why we celebrate the winners so much 
So he could have went out and said that. Instead, he kind of blames the weather. To me, I, I really just, it didn't make a lot of sense, first of all. I really didn't like it. But overall, I mean, Lowry did play a really positive, a really good tournament that I think he can carry some momentum into. But overall, I, w- I was not a fan of the of the comments after the match. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think... I mean, they did come off as a little bit like, uh, you know, he did kind of back it up. He was like, all right, well, it's it's bad luck. You know, I do feel like the tournament, which the tournament was stolen from. Like, if you just look at it, it's like nobody else had to play 18 in a monsoon. He stands up there. He can't even see the fairway. I think his drive went 100 yards shorter than Sepp Strzok. Yes. Did. Sepp, yeah. he cut the corner there and bombed one over the pond. And Shane wasn't able to do that because he couldn't see. He's also not that long of a hitter, so maybe he wouldn't do that anyways, but... He basically wasn't able to see anything, and he's hitting it through a rainstorm. So he did, in a way, like get like he is right, but it's also you know, it's also part of the game. You know, it's yeah, it is what it is. But it's tough yeah, for him. I, I don't think uh, Chris. I I don't think it was. I don't think it was stolen from just because Berger was in the lead. Like this was Berger's tournament. Yeah, and if you and also then, if you well, also right, he had no business. Arise, Nobody yeah, had any business no being business. in this tournament until Berger sure. double bogeyed that full, but third hole. When he says whatever. he had it stolen, he, you know, it wasn't his tournament to lose going into Sunday. Uh, going so into eighteen, like... it was though. If I, I, yeah, okay. I have to, you have to give a lot of credit to Straka though, because if you look at the job he did Sunday, he misses a two foot putt on the first hole of Sunday, putt for par, and he bogeys that hole, bad start. But then he turns it around at the end. I like I said, birdies three of the last five holes and does excellent on the bear trap. So. I understand why Lowry could be probably upset with the outcome on 18, but you can't take anything away from the job Straka did. No, to of the course not. Of course not. I, Sepp Straka played a heck of a round. It's his first ever win. He's playing at Augusta for the first time in six weeks, in you know, ever now, and he'll play in the U.S. Open for the first time since 2019. Good for him, man. Like, awesome. Congratulations. But I. You know, I understand where Shane is coming from, where it's like, look, I would have won this thing if I had played it in the same conditions he did, but he didn't, and that's part of the game. I think I think there, those those thoughts are not mutually exclusive. It's good for Sepp Straka. He won. He got the better end of the, the weather stick here. And you know what? Shane has the right – Lowry has the right to say that because he got the better end of the weather stick on Sunday at Portrush. It was raining in the morning. Remember, Matt Fitzpatrick ran off of the – Ran off the the fair the 18th fairway because he was just trying to get out of the rain. By the time the rain stopped, Shane Lowry was teeing off. He goes out and he wins the Open Championship. So, I think it's just part of the game. It's you know, you're playing in Florida. I mean, if you're playing in Florida in July, you would probably expect it more than February. But I, I mean, it is what it is. And now they head off to to Bay Hill for um, another fantastic tournament. Yeah, you mentioned Bay Hill, uh, another tournament. A lot to say about the Honda Classic, but. I really love the Honor Palmer Invitational, which we can get to now. It's at Bay Hill. It's a tough golf course, thick, rough, fast greens. I got this number when I was doing some research. Last year, the scoring average was 73.015, which was the second highest scoring average out of the last nine years of a golf course in the PGA Tour. So It was impossible a, last year. It's a hard golf course. And even before last year, I looked at some yeah. numbers. The scoring numbers were higher before. And DeChambeau, he shot 11 under last season to get the victory. Out of the last five years, uh, four players have shot under 12 under to win it. Only Roy McIlroy uh, won it with 18 under in 2018. So it's going to be another low-scoring um, day at the golf course if you want to win this one. Absolutely, and I think that this is kind of the uh, the 365-day um, cycle of Bryson DeChambeau because you mentioned it, he wins with... 
the 11 underscore last year. But also, this is the one where this is the sixth hole where the hole looks like a crescent moon. Yes. And the pond is there in the middle. And everybody cuts the corner because it's, uh, you know, they're, they hit it long. If we played there, we'd never be able to cut the corner. They show that every year. And he took it and he moved it like 15 degrees to the right and cut way more water off than anybody had ever seen. And he got it over. And, and it's it was the classic picture of yeah, him, of him doing the... It's the meme now where he's holding his hands up yes. in the air. And Sam can see us on the Zoom yeah. right now, just like this. Exactly. And I think that was the moment where, for me, I'm not a Bryson fan personally, and obviously we'll get into it more when he comes back uh, from injury, but that was the point where I was like, oh, no. Like, he did it. He figured it out, and he's it's over now for all of us. And obviously he ends up winning the U.S. Open, or he had already won the U.S. Open, I should say, and now he's doing this, and it's like, oh, no, he's going now. And since then, he has been irrelevant outside the Ryder Cup. And now he's hurt. He played in the Seminole Pro Member on Monday, which makes no sense to me. He missed Honda. He's missing this, but he played in a, a Pro Member tournament. Granted, it's Seminole, so any chance you get to play Seminole, they always say that, go play Seminole. Um, but I don't know. He's still hurt. He says he's at 90%. So the favorites are, are the usuals, Rom and McElroy. Um, but no Bryson, who would obviously be up there if he was playing Sam. And I think that it's interesting considering, yeah, Wingfoot is kind of the start of Bryson, but I th- or I'd probably say that Bay Hill is the peak of, like, villain Bryson. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that was an amazing moment with the hands in the air. Uh, yeah, just an awesome moment. Uh, you know, Bay Hill is a, you know, Mike, you mentioned how difficult that course is. And uh, it, it reminds, you know, it's similar. We talked about PGA National last week is, you know, kind of a similar idea in terms of, you know, maybe getting to double figures is going to get you a win, uh, you know, which is what we saw. But in courses like this, you know, especially on the water, you know, weather can be a factor in Florida. It always is. Um, it, it's more about limiting mistakes than it is about, you know, you, you can't go in expecting like you're not going to bogey, you know, holes or you're going to play bogey free golf because that doesn't really happen at courses like Bay Hill. You're going to make mistakes. Bogeys are going to happen. It's about limiting those mistakes. It's about, you know, even bouncing back from those mistakes. That's so important in golf and it'll spe- be especially important at Bay Hill. But obviously without DeChambeau, it's definitely, you know, we mentioned how as, as we get closer to the players, closer to the masters, some of the, you know, the heavy hitters start to come back. Some of the the big time players, the big names and, and DeChambeau is certainly one of them. So it is disappointing not to have him, you know, competing here at Bay Hill, but you know, you got John Rahm, you got Rory McIlroy, a couple of uh, really interesting names right there at the top that I think, uh, you know, certainly their odds are high uh, for Bay Hill and, and, and for the Arnold Palmer Invitational, but I'm really excited to watch this tournament. I, I really love this course. I, I love when they play in Florida. I think, um, you know, a lot of these courses are, you know, are built somewhat similar, especially being, you know, nearer on the water is really nice. I think it adds an extra element to it of excitement, especially in Saturday and Sunday when the drama, you know, comes up. And, you know, you could always see that kind of collapse, you know, which we saw out of uh, Burger last week. And we very well could see again from somebody leading, you know, after the first couple of days. So overall, a really exciting tournament that, you know, I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to just get into even more here. Yeah, I have really good memories watching this tournament. I remember last year I was home for the weekend. I can't remember the reason, but I was watching the Arnold Palmer Invitational because I recently got really into golf. And I remember it was like in the midst of like Lee Westwood was like playing the best golf of his career. With the wife on the bag and the whole thing. And it was like such a story. And you were like rooting for Lee Westwood to win. And like you said, Bryson DeChambeau was kind of that villain. And Lee Westwood ends up losing. He's the runner-up in the Arnold Palmer Invitational. But I remember you bring up hole six. 
Lee Westwood's like got to just play it over to the right. He's just playing into it. He's not going to take out the driver. Meanwhile, DeChambeau is lining up like almost like 100 feet right <laughs> of the hole. It's the same shot he hit at um, Whistling, too. He hit the— At Whistling Straits? Yeah, but it wasn't over the water. It was over the— Remember that it was a par five, and he took some I'd have ri- to re- look at ridiculous video, yeah. line. It's the same shot, but yeah, continue. No, but I, that was I'm, I just had really good memories watching what Lee Westwood was able to do. Like he, it was kind of like a uh, you know you felt you felt for him, you wanted him to win. Uh, but I just remember also hate eighteen. I love that hole. Mm-hmm. I really do. You know, think about the tiger putt. I think at that hole, it's got some really good um, memories there. So it's a really fun tournament. I really like Bay Hill as a course, so I'm really excited to watch this. I want to now get into some picks. The favorites in this one, John Rahm, Roy McIlroy. Rahm, I think, has the best odds to win it. Um, made five appearances on the PGA Tour so far this season. He has two top three finishes. He's the world number one rank. We know how good he is. He's also first in driving distance. We'll see if he tries to pull a DeChambeau. I don't think anyone's going to be that aggressive, but uh, could be interesting. Roy McIlroy, lone start on the PGA Tour this season. He has a top ten finish to his name. He's also the 2018 winner. At Bay Hill, the last five years at Bay Hill, he's fourth win, sixth, fifth, and tenth. So he has serious consistency at this golf course. Um, and I like how you know Macro's only played one game, um, one tournament on the PGA Tour so far this season. So you can say maybe he's more fresh coming into this one, and he knows the course really well. So personally, he's my pick. To win this one, Roy McIlroy. I think Rom's also a great bet. But these are the top two, and there's plenty of guys we can get into outside the you know two best bets um, to win this. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you. Is there a favorite you like uh, in this tournament? I like Fitzpatrick. He was hurt. Um, this course doesn't really suit his game because he can't drive the ball as far, but he's really good with the irons. He's good around the greens. I like him. He's top five in your odds, so if you're looking for a favorite who isn't the favorite, uh, this is all according to PGATour.com, by the way, that I'm getting all this information. Um, so I, I kind of like him. In terms of if you go down the the list a little bit, you know, I think that there are certain people that you shouldn't even look at. Like, Kevin Kisner is not going to win here. He can't hit the ball. Yeah, he has the distance. It does it. doesn't, you know, Pat Perez, Ricky Fowler, obviously. Not, <clears throat> excuse me, going to win um here but if i'm looking down this list here hmm who do i like who do i like how about how about like a hovland yeah hovland he's up there though honestly he's like top three or four on this yeah his odds are very high his odds are very high i always think i think of him as boomer bust because i just remember that one hole when he had like a nine he is he is boomer bust Mm. that's exactly what he is and they they're trying to bet against that i like how about this luke list he's plus 6600 to win i'm not saying he's gonna win um but he I like him because he hits the ball a freaking mile. He's only one, I think, once on tour, um, but you can get pretty good odds on him to do pretty much anything. He's yeah, like plus two thirty to finish in the top twenty. That's not terrible. Um, so that that's what I like, like a Luke List guy who could hit the ball. Just any guy who can absolutely bomb it um, is a good bet this week because there's a lot of places that that comes into advantage. Which uh, obviously Bryson isn't in the in the field, so maybe they'll be able to uh, to get that uh, advantage. Yeah. So with you know, with Rom, I want to start with him at the top quickly. You know, Mike, you, you brought up some good stuff. He's obviously been, you know, on a tear playing really good golf lately. He's never played at Bay Hill, though. He's never, never played at Bay Hill. Um, so I thought, you know, that's kind of interesting. I feel like uh, that could present some problems never playing on a golf course before. And Rory McIlroy, you know, another, you know, definitely a solid pick. 
a Northern Ireland guy. I don't know if you knew that. So it always, you know, it's got the, it's got the. Uh, You're in the same the, region the there. You're in the same region. Yeah. There. So, so, you know, I'll give you guys a little bit of a history lesson in case you didn't know, and you probably didn't ask, but I'll tell you anyway, and you might know, but Northern Ireland is on the same Island as, you know, Southern, regular Ireland, but it's two different countries. It's technically a part of the UK. So it's, it's basically like a different country if you're in Northern Ireland. So that's where Rory McIlroy's from. He's from right near Belfast, but he's on the same island as I am. You know, he's on the same <laughs> island as, as regular, you know, mainland Ireland. So um, I guess you can't really call him a, you know, homebody here, although there is some tension between Northern Ireland and, and yeah, Ireland. You can't call him a homebody because the two countries don't like each yeah, other. Yeah, that's putting it lightly. Not, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. So, but uh, I think people here would probably be rooting against him, uh, you know, but I guess, you know, the folks up in Northern Ireland will be rooting for Rory McIlroy in addition to the UK as a whole. Uh, Rory McIlroy, you know, I looked at a little into, you know, what he's been doing this season. Uh, he struggled a lot with accuracy. 55% of fairways he's hit off the tee this season. Well, so didn't he try to adopt? present some problems. Well, didn't he try to adopt the DeChambeau, like, drive distance? He, like, he, changed his swing? He, he said he was going to. I don't know if he ever went through with it. Because that might explain why he's... I mean, that could definitely be an explanation. My, my yeah. theory is that Taylor May just released another driver. They're already past the Sim 2 into the... To the 3? Stealth? It's called. It's got the big red face on it. I think it's called the Stealth. Because um, the Sim it, Two is like their big driver. Well, was, they, not anymore. They got the Stealth with this carbon wood. Yeah, it's called the Stealth with carbon wood. And uh, apparently, it's insane. But maybe he's struggling with it off the tee right now. He's the best driver of the golf ball in the world, though. They better than Rom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rom Rom's a better golfer than Rory is right now. But Rory. His swing is just so like it's it well, is. Rory's textbook. another guy. The Rory's another guy that you could totally see being cut. Like maybe yeah. not in this tournament could could give him a success, but he's a guy in the past that well, I mean, he could yeah, win it or he could be cut after two days. Not to bring up the port rush again, but look what he did at port rush. They had like a twelve on the first hole and missed the missed well, the I'm cut. I'm thinking about yeah. the Masters last year. I don't think oh, he, that too. Yeah. Um, and Mike, isn't that your pick? Isn't Rory your pick? No, I did. I just bash my own pick. You did. I listen. That, I'm looking at. Um, it is precisely like, what happened. I'm, I'm yeah, looking. Really I'm looking you're, at the success at the tournament. I, I mentioned <laughs> his success. He's top ten last five years. I like that, and he's Mike, a 2018 winner. I play. Mike, I play that by like the golf course. It's almost like you set me up perfectly because you want to talk about success at the tournament. A guy that I want to highlight: 35 to one odds. So he's a little bit down from the main group. Uh, is Adam Scott? Adam Scott shot a course record 62. Uh, at Bay Hill, I think it was back in yeah 2014. I have in my notes. He, he was wow. fourth uh, at Genesis this this year, so he's got two top five finishes on the year. Uh, so he's played some good golf this year. He's had some really good <clears throat> golf uh, rounds in the past at Bay Hill. I think he's been third twice at Bay Hill. So he's had a couple. And you know, bear in mind those are a long time ago. You know, 2014, and I think you know, I think it was even the the other one was even before that when he finished third at Bay Hill. So that's a long time ago, but. It's the same, you know. It, it, it's the same golf course, so obviously, you know, bringing some of that experience into it. He's a guy I wanted to highlight. The Aussie there, uh, you know, more international perspective. I guess there's a lot. I think every name, you know, every Sam. Name, you know, you don't have to make international picks. You can like. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> it's I know. okay to pick. Some. Last I checked, yes, Connecticut but... is still in the union. Let me know if I need a new passport. But last I checked, that's my role here. That's my role. I'm sticking to my role here, guys. You know, while I'm here, I got to talk up these guys, but. I was going to say that I think everybody I'm looking at and all the guys I think, you know, I could see them winning the tournament. They're all, you know, I don't, they're, most of those are international names, I guess, you know, without 
you know, Bryson in the field, that kind of takes one of the big U.S. guys away. But, you know, looking at Rom, looking at Rory and, and Adam Scott, Hideki Matsuyama as yeah. well, you can always bring him up. He's always a guy that can win a tournament. Uh, he can win just about any tournament he's placed in. So another name there. But, you know, I, I like Adam Scott as a little bit of a, a dark horse there. I think that's a guy that definitely deserves some some credit heading into this weekend. You want a lock? You want an absolute lock? We're throwing around the world lock? Lock. Sergio to miss the cut, plus 250. Lock. <laughs> Lock of the century. That guy is a head case. I was going to say, I thought you were going to pick a winner. I'm like, no. You, yeah, run no, around no, no. saying you're – I mean, you never know in golf. It's no, so you never know. I mean, no, no. We could look at our picks last week even. I think they're all – Well, I was about to give nice. another name, but you threw out lock, and now I feel like uh, this guy by <laughs> no means a lock. But someone I do like, Mark Leishman won the event in 2017, second place in 2020. He's a six-time PGA Tour winner, so he's got some winning to his name. I like him to you know finish in the top 10, top 15. He's a guy that I think could easily be in the mix uh, this weekend. And you mentioned Matsuyama. I think what helps him is that you know with the distance of um, you know Bay Hill, um, he's a big hitter, especially with the irons. The question with him is, is going to be the putting. Um, we saw probably the best putting of his career maybe at the Masters, but um, if he can, if he's putting's on, then he's going to be in the mix as well this weekend. But I'm gonna. Uh, We'll go around one more time. Chris, back to you. If you've got maybe a sleeper, someone you think could you know show out this weekend, maybe sneak into top 25 who's probably at the bottom of some list, maybe someone that's just in the middle you think could win. Yeah, like I said, Luke List is a guy who hits the ball a mile and I think really could benefit from playing here. Uh, Gary Woodland's another one. He's a little bit higher up on that list. Any guy who can really get it out there. You know, and I'd fade any guy who can't. Zach Johnson, Kevin Kisner, as I mentioned before. Max Homa's another one who I sneaky hits the ball, like f- uh, absolutely bombs that thing. So, um, yeah, I, I'd say those, like, look at driving distance this week. We obviously saw last year how important that is. And nobody is like Bryson, right, in this field where they're going to hit a 415-yard drive. But I think that that is, you know, that is important and that, in on this course has proven important before. I don't I don't think it's important in every week, but this week it's shown that it can be. So any guy who hits it out there, Woodland, Homa, and List are the three I'll give you, but any any others that um I would certainly be opening to uh looking at as well. Yeah, for me, I mean I I just mentioned Adam Scott. He's probably my main guy, I would say. He drives the ball pretty well also. Um, you know, putting is another big thing for I mean, anytime we're looking at guys that you know, it can drive the ball really well. And that's what we're looking at for Bay Hill. You know, typically putting becomes the issue that becomes the make or break. That's honestly where, you know, because you have guys that can drive the ball really far and drive the ball really well, but it's going to come down to putting, you know, in addition to that for a lot of golfers, because that's their strength. And then that might be their weakness as well. So for Adam Scott, that's another example of he can drive the ball. Well, is he going to be able to putt? Same with Matsuyama that, you know, I'm, you know, kind of leaning towards him as, as, as a favorite to pick to win this tournament um, because he's got four top 10 finishes on the year. He's got two wins already this year. He's averaging 68.3, uh, you know, shooting per round in 36 rounds. So that's really, 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 really impressive just uh, being, you know, that low under par uh, so far this year. Plus, he's coming up on the Masters, which obviously he won last year. So he's getting ready to defend that green jacket. So I think he's going to start to pick up the intensity here uh, in Matsuyama and really put a lot of focus into the, this tournament this weekend. But Adam Scott would be my guy, you know, 35 to one odds. He's, he's like middle of the pack. Um, I could really see him, you know, cracking the top 10 and maybe even the top, top five. 
Um, I'm, I'm going to have a guy that probably isn't the bottom of many lists. I think he's probably somewhere in the middle, maybe even the top. I like Zalatoris. Um, second place in the Farmers Insurance. Uh, two top 10 finishes this season already. Uh, and he's 18th in um, the PGA Tour in drive distance. So just looking at some of those numbers, uh, I think he could be in the mix. Maybe not to win, but to have a good finish. He does not have a PGA Tour victory, as far as I'm concerned. Maybe I have to probably look at that, but I don't think he does. No. Uh, yeah. So well, I, four of the four. I, another stat I pulled was four of the the, the last five uh, winners um, of the last five events have been you know guys that have never won a PGA Tour event. So there you go. So the, thanks for helping me with the Zalatoris, but I, <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to put him as my pick, but um, I like that uh, that guy as well, but um. I think that's going to do it for this episode of On the Green. It was really exciting talking about the Honda Classic, Arnold Palmer. Really excited for next week because then we get into the players, I believe, and that's where it's going to get really excited. I'm excited to talk about 17 and watch 17 uh, next week. But until then, we still got a great tournament in the Arnold Palmer Invitational. But until then, I'm Michael Calamari with Chris Hennessy and Sam Davis. Have a great weekend, everyone. Watch some golf, Arnold Palmer Invitational, and uh, catch us next week.